seems cold and bleak and you just can't take it anymore. Here it comes, that glimmer of hope, a light shines through the door. It's a hopeless show, with Aaron and Rogan, world. It's a hopeless show, with Aaron and Rogan, world. Hello, everybody. This is episode 35 of The Hopeless Show with Aaron and Rohit. I am Rohit, and this is my co-host, Aaron. And Hello. we're ready. And Aaron, I think we're ready to make people feel a little less hopeless going into the home stretch of 2020. We are. That's really, really what we're trying to do these last couple episodes of 2020 is to show you that whatever hopelessness is going on, it's not that bad and we'll, we'll solve it for you. We might get into some debates. We might have a couple guests coming up. We actually do have a couple guests coming up, not on this episode, but, um, but very soon next episode. And, uh, yeah, we're here to bring some hope because it's, uh, it's almost a new year and, which means a lot and doesn't mean anything at the same exact time. But yeah, we're, we're here, we're kicking, we're alive and well-ish. And that's all that matters, right? Is that we're okay. <laughs> and our listeners, everyone else, you know, Godspeed. But as long as our listeners are okay and we're okay, that's what matters. Right on. So, so Aaron, what, what, what do we got on the docket for today? Well, that's the, the I think the theme of uh, of this episode can be perseverance. I like that word because huh. we've all been persevering through the year. And we're going to show how a lot of this hopelessness is about perseverance. It's about not letting things get too under your skin uh, bug you too much. You can keep pushing forward, living in the moment, abiding by the John Lennon phrase. I love so much. Life is what happens to you while you're busy making other plans, which is a, uh, a great quote, uh, by from the song, beautiful boy. Now the, but the first Beatle I want to talk about wasn't him, but he came up first. It's Paul McCartney news from the quarantine news from the quarantine. I think there's something really cool that happened. Uh, do you know what happened that's Beatle-related? Uh, I don't, actually. Paul McCartney, because he's Paul McCartney, uh, this week came out with McCartney 3. In 1970, he came out with McCartney 1, which was him playing every instrument and doing everything. He did all of it and made McCartney 1, which had big hits on it that you'd know. Um, and then... He did McCartney 2 in 1980. So on these these zero years. Um, and then he was at home for the quarantine and just decide, like was writing music because he's Paul McCartney, so he can just write hit songs while he's bored. And he ended up writing McCartney 3 because it's 2020. So um, he wrote a, the third McCartney album where he did everything, which... I just think is, I mean, I think the, the man is a genius and the fact that he keeps being relevant, he even had a 
thing with Taylor Swift where she was going to put out an album the same day as his, but I guess they've collaborated or are friends because, of course, Taylor Swift and Paul McCartney would be friends. And uh, and then Taylor Swift moved her album release twice to accommodate so McCartney could have his own week uh, for his album. Wow. And Postmates is even doing this week, if you put in code MACA, which is McCartney's nickname, uh, you get 20% off or something like that. Just It's like McCartney week. Are you sure so it's not I get, Make America Cartney again? Oh, wouldn't that have been better? I would love <laughs> him as president. Just those State of the Unions, like him just like singing Eleanor Rigby as his State of the Union. Hello, I'm Paul McCartney. Sir Paul McCartney. Uh, Sir Paul McCartney. And uh, what's like, let's see here. I want to play like, like a song from McCartney 2. Paul McCartney, he does these different, these these three albums now that are all him doing everything. So like one of the songs that was big on McCartney 2 in 1980. Was, I'll go to the chorus. Coming up like a flower. Coming up. And then McCartney one, I believe, had a song. Maybe I'm amazed. Maybe I'm amazed at the way you love me all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, um, kind of a bad job by me of doing that. But the bottom line is he made McCartney three. And I just think that shows that you don't have to be a Beatle and you don't have to be one of the best songwriters ever to do this. But we can all be doing things during the quarantine. And Paul McCartney happened to make another big album yeah, at and, 78 years old. And as an up-and-coming musician, you know, I, th- I, I give him props for that. <laughs> um, I just hope that he brings back his, his uh, wings mullet, um, you know, Uh-oh. into the world because we need that again. Um, but, you know, there's, there are, we did talk about perseverance. And I think, you know, some of the topics we're going to be covering today um, is everything from uh, you know, the pandemic to what's happening in, you know, on a certain film production, uh, all the way to, um, what's happening in terms of gaming and, um, you'll see, you'll see, there's some good stuff that we have, uh, on today's, uh, sort of agenda. And I'd like to kick it off actually with, uh, with a pretty big story. And this is about the Pfizer vaccine. Um, and there's a lot of things that are being talked about right now with the vaccine. And I think one of the two things I just want to I want to bring up is um, apparently Pfizer is saying that they have uh, millions of vaccine doses ready, but shipments going out to states have been cut, meaning they're like overproducing, which is kind of crazy. And so right now it says that, um, you know, as far as I understand that they haven't really worked out a distribution platform or distribution scenario yet. Uh, and that's what, you know, the, so I don't know, Aaron, it's like we've been waiting for the vaccine, you know, it was fast tracked. Um, you know, it, it looks like this is what everybody needs. Um, and now it seems like it's, <laughs> they haven't figured out distribution. Now these vaccines are just sitting around what's happening. Well, I have, I think, pretty quick hope that this was obviously going to happen. We have, uh, and we don't really have a president right now. We just have some guy fighting for, like, I don't even know what anymore. <laughs> but he doesn't actually do anything. 
um, hasn't really done anything during this pandemic. So what were we to expect? Didn't approve the vaccine, didn't ask for more doses when we were offered them in June. He said no. So we weren't, there was no plan. There was never going to be a plan. He's never really had plans. It just was never going to work. What's good is in 30 days, something like that, I think around 30 days, he's gone. Like, that's it. And I guarantee you, 100% guarantee you, you have my word, that Joe Biden has probably been, has a, the, his big pandemic team has a plan of exactly how to do this correctly. Where you have Trump, who's like, like I think he just tweeted another thing about denying that masks matter, uh, even now. <laughs> and uh, and then we have, but it's in 30 days, he is, he's basically doing nothing anyway now. So in 30 days, well, I think on January 21st, there will be a plan of here's how it's going to roll out. They have it ready to go. They have now, they've finally been given access to all the confidential information so they can actually do something about it. The CDC will be funded correctly again. All of the things that should have been that Trump screwed up are done. It's over. We don't have to say the word Trump uh, because it's over. And we have someone in charge and a team around him in charge that is going to distribute the vaccine correctly. Yeah, it's it's pretty disheartening to, to know that, you know, you have... These fast-tracked vaccines coming from, you know, you know, Pfizer, AstraZeneca and other, you know, you know, major makers of medicine, um, J&J, Moderna. So they're all working on the vaccine. It's just it's it's I'm just really it's really disappointing to see that we have it ready. But it's 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 just right now. Everybody should be getting it in order of need um, in terms of, you know, elderly and then frontline workers. Um, so yeah, it's kind of wild. Um, the next but do you thing, feel hope in that? I don't like know. That- I mean, if part of this is just like, we lose an entire month, right? And I do, do think that, you know, sure, when January 20th comes around, there's, you know, I don't know how quickly dominoes can fall or how quickly progress can be made because this is also to in, in part in terms of states and how they are able to create their distribution programs and their warehouses and their 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 sites and so it just seems like nobody has their shit together and it starts at the very very top and that you know with with if we were fast tracking the production and bypassing all the usual five years of testing that you need for most medicines um the the i think the least that could have been done is on the state level and the federal government should have enforced it too to have a distribution plan and it seems like this is just a fucking mess and it's really really bad so hopefully the in the next 30 days yeah maybe maybe it gives chance for the states to get their shit together and then we'll actually have a president that then enforces this and is really so we'll see i mean i don't know if on january 21st everything everybody will get one you know no they that, won't but, but there will be a plan Yes, and hopefully that is yeah. So that that does help me. Now there's another thing I feel hopeless about, um, and uh, and this is actually more personally related to me, um, and that is the side effects of the vaccine. And you know, from our previous talks, I am not an anti-vaxer. I am pro-vax as hell. Get the vaccine. Yeah. However, yeah. they're saying that the Pfizer vaccine should absolutely um never be taken right now they should not be taken by anybody that's ever experienced anaphylaxis 
um, because they could die. Um, and I have, so I've, I was hospitalized for anaphylaxis. You um, were? Yeah. I'm deathly, deathly allergic to sulfa. So, which is one of the two types of antibiotics you have like any antibiotic, you know, generally I guess if it ends with like cyclin, that's sulfa based. And if it ends with psyllin, it's penicillin based. So, mm-hmm. um, and I'm not a doctor, so this is not probably not completely accurate, but when I was in the hospital, they said, do not ever take anything with sulfa, never take that or you will die. Um, and so the CDC has said, um, you know, do if whoever's taking this vaccine right now, do not take the Pfizer uh, vaccine if you've suffered anaphylaxis. So that's scary. Um, in addition, we've had four early test patients that have already um, developed weird reactions, which um, some are saying, oh, that's probably the percentage, you know, reaction that people have, but their faces are like drooping um, and uh, they're having <laughs> these weird allergic reactions where it looks like they've had a stroke because their muscles in their face just sort of fall down and that shit's scary. And that's so part, yeah, part of me is like, this is possibly what happens. This is possibly why people see that, Oh, you need five years of testing for a drug. And we've had less than a year. You know, we've had just, you know, a little more than six to seven months of actual hard work and vaccine development. Um, so this is kind of scary, man. How do we uh, feel a bit better on that? Well, a couple of things, I think. First, I'm kind of talking like Joe Biden right now because he always does this. <laughs> <laughs> um, three things. And then he like usually has seven. But it's like thing number one, thing number two, thing number two again, thing number three, thing number four, thing number three again. <laughs> thing number one, there's a lot of vaccines and way more that are going to be coming because not in the U.S., but everywhere else because we didn't we're. We're last, we've come in last with this. There are more and more vaccines coming, and I believe some of them will have different um, different ingredients in it. I don't know what the Moderna one has, but maybe it doesn't have uh, some, anything that will make anaphylaxis be bad for you. And there's so, as you mentioned, there's so many other ones coming from other countries. I think Israel has a new one coming. Um so my hope is that there isn't just one vaccine. There's tons. And uh, this Pfizer one is just the first one. It doesn't mean it's the best one. Think of like the uh, dot-com bubble. AOL was the first big thing. It didn't necessarily lead to being the best big thing, the, the one that lasted. So the Pfizer vaccine might be just the first one, but within two months, people are taking other ones. And that's one guess on my end. And a, a second thing is we don't have a plan and we don't have a government doing anything about this. We don't have leadership for it. My hope is that in on January 21st, a lot of this is being analyzed by the next administration so that come January 21st, they'll have all this information. And it's like, if you have these conditions, you take this vaccine. If you have these conditions, you take this vaccine. Uh, if you have these conditions, wait a little bit because we're not sure exactly which one will work. And I think there will be hope that you'll be able to take one of them, probably not the Pfizer one. But by in a month, there might be 10. We don't know. So many companies are working on this. So I think there is hope. And this is just the first one. So everyone's pumped. And because you're not alone. Remember, we're all in this together, like you like to say a lot. (laughs) Love saying it. Yeah. 
Um, so, so do you know, this isn't Pfizer isn't the be all end all. It's just the first. Yeah, I'm hoping I'm hoping that's the case. And, you know, if, if there's different vaccines for different body types, great. But it's it's very scary when, uh, you know, it's when a vaccine could actually, you know, the thing that we've been waiting for is like, oh, wait. Um, but, you know, fortunately, I am at the end of the line. You and I both are at the end of the line for receiving this anyway. So by the time it cover up probably comes to us because we are the least critical to receive this. We are healthy, you know, adult men um we are the least i don't i don't think we're very high risk you know um so we are at the back of the line so but hopefully um yeah enough people will then be the test rabbits for us um and then um we can oh, then see real yeah. life human trials so yeah that's good okay I'm, I, I feel better now other people will will, t- will, t- will take uh take the um take the be the canary in the coal mine for me no because it's as, as you, we've said many times it's all about us and yeah. so Everyone else can have the problems and then we will uh, just benefit from their misery. Okay. All right. So maybe all this vaccine um, stuff is, 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 is going to work itself out, whether it's distribution in the next month or it's just other people testing it for me. Um, so thanks, Aaron. Um, <laughs> yeah, now let's, no problem. Now let's move on to our debates. We had a couple topics. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you got these in bullets. Let's talk, dude. All right. So we love debates because we we agree a lot of the time, but then we don't agree sometimes. Um, with this one, the first one, do you know who Lou Pearlman is? Was um, it's funny when I saw him trending the other day, I immediately immediately thought of uh, Captain Lou Albano. Um, if you remember the <laughs> Super Mario Brothers like live action TV show that was like mixed live action, then like it went into the Mario Brothers cartoon. I was like, what the fuck is Lou Albano uh, talking about? I was thinking of the Super Mario guy from the 80s, uh, early 90s. And then I was like, oh, wait, never mind. And then I started thinking about Ron Perlman. Um, <laughs> so to answer your question, I have no idea who Lou Perlman is. All right. So I'll introduce. And I think Captain Lou Albino was also a wrestler. Yes, he was. Um, but this isn't that. This isn't that. This isn't any of those guys. Yeah. Lou Perlman is the genius but then this is going to become the debate behind such bands as InSync and Backstreet Boys and there is a documentary on YouTube about him that is fascinating about was this guy a good guy a medium guy or a bad guy and there's people who argue that he was a good guy some of the Backstreet Boys are interviewed in it and say that he was good and bad, but he also screwed all of them out of money. And he also was like a bullied guy who then made money doing different... He was really smart, so he made money doing different things. And then the boy band thing, he saw that it was New Kids on the Block that inspired him to do make these other boy bands that made billions of dollars. Do you know how much... The first check that InSync got was for the, after their first album when they were the biggest thing on the planet. Forty million dollars. They each got a check for ten thousand dollars. <laughs> <laughs> but did they get more money from the record label, or did they nope. get? Okay, they okay. Just- so they became global megastars. 
And mm-hmm. each of their first check was $10,000. Not only that, he called a meeting like like he was doing a generous thing with the band. Like they'd been, you know, they get put up in places, they get treated well, but they had not got a dollar. And then they got their $10,000 check after the first album with all those hits was released. And so then, but they, they even debate in it. So was this guy... One also a little bit pedophile, but was this guy a good guy? Because without him, you know, there's no in sync. There's no Justin Timberlake. There's no like all that stuff doesn't exist. Or the Backstreet Boys. There's none. All these, and then there's way more bands like O Town, and they talk about other boy bands. Like he just made boy band after boy band afterwards. But those are the two biggest. And so was he a bad guy, a medium guy, or a good guy? for ripping these guys off, but also starting their careers. And then they left. They left him. Like They each had one album and then left to a different band, and then they all had falling outs. So what do you think? Okay, well, it's funny. It's I'm an unabashed, like, you know, capitalist. When I hear mm-hmm. things like this, I my Karl Marx hat immediately goes on my head, and I, like, put my fist up in the air to defend the rights of the workers. Um, and... Like this, I think, honestly, I think bad guy for the, only for the reason that he, yeah, I don't know whether he touched the kids or not. Um, I do remember hearing those things. because I was about, As soon as you told me about this, who he was, I was like, oh yeah, I started remembering. Um, but the fact that he would only be able to retain his clients for one album, it says a lot. Right. It says that he made them imagine somebody that makes you a star, makes you world globally famous. Yep. And then you want nothing to do with them immediately after that says to me, OK, there's there's a bit of shade ball in there. Secondly, um, the, the ten thousand dollar thing that that and I'm, I'm only working off the information that you provided me right now. So I don't have any sort of other retorts. Um, mm-hmm. But I think. That is something that is extremely uncalled for because if these guys are going platinum, they're selling millions of records. There's, there's, a, there's. A, I know he is. No, they probably went a, diamond. They went diamond ten times. I don't even platinum. know what that is. I believe it's diamond. It might not be called diamond. That, but I feel like it's called diamond. Uh, it's ten times platinum. Holy shit! Okay, so ten then million probably, albums or something like that. So I think that is the the defenders of Lou Pearlman are also the defenders of the record industry. And the record industry from, you know, going back to the Motown days or going back to, you know, the 50s and 40s where they own, you know, all the artists work and they pretty much it's 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 they steal from the artists. And I couldn't be happier for things like Apple Music and Spotify, which have destroyed many record labels, labels as whole. Like I love <laughs> I revel in the destruction of those that just steal from people. Um, and um, so. I think he was just a symptom of that. He, I don't blame him for taking advantage of a situation because he could, and he was a, he was a kingmaker, you know, and there is something to be said is like, Hey, if you want to become globally famous, maybe you put up with one of his, you know, his shit for his, for your first album. But then you know what? Then ditch him and just become, you know, mega stars after that or continue being mega stars. And then just keep all the other money that you want after that. I don't know. I think I'm, I'm erring on the side that he was, he wasn't Darth Vader but he was a uh, a high-ranking stormtrooper. 
Okay. No, I take that back. He wasn't the emperor. He was Darth Vader. Okay. So I, I disagree. Okay. Uh, I think he was medium guy. Okay. He's probably was not a good guy, but what he did, he, it wasn't like the Beatles. Remember, this wasn't like a bunch of kids from Liverpool who become friends and make music and then make great music. He put the whole thing together. Like, Justin Timberlake didn't know Lance Bass before this. I'm just thinking of the names I know off the top of my head. Yep. Like, he didn't know Lance Bass before this. Lou Perlman picked different people from different walks, parts of life. It, a lot of it started in Orlando, weirdly, from, yeah. like, Disney performers and stuff. So he picked them and said, like, you, 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 and you. I'm gonna, I think you guys all will work well together. And then he had other people write the songs, and then they would sing the songs. Like um, uh, Richard Marks, the uh, famous 80s crooner. My first concert uh, ever. Really? Yeah, yeah, I was like six. Yeah. Really? You got to hear? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Talk about, he had a mullet too. Yeah. Uh, it was actually no it was seven. It was nineteen eighty eight, and yeah, Richard Marks and who opened for him was uh, Wilson Phillips, and it was in the uh, Garden State Art Center in New Jersey. Went that sounds dad. like an amazing concert. Yeah, it was awesome. I'll never forget it. Uh, I saw Richard Marks last year at the Troubadour. Wow! Oh, I think he was still performing. Yeah, and he was great. It was fantastic. Wow. Does he's he still really have the poofy funny. mullet? No, he looks like like cool dude, but he's doesn't have look like that. But he's uh. He's cool, and I've I've actually got to weirdly meet him and hang out with him, and he's a funny, really sarcastic, funny guy. So yeah. this is a complete tangent, but uh, I don't know. Oh yeah, why did he come up? Oh yeah, because of Insane. <laughs> but he's really funny. The guy is hilarious. He's even a good Twitter follow. He's very funny. Um, so, but he wrote like a uh, one of their big hits. This I promise you. The um, was written by Richard Marks. So Lou Pearlman would get all these pieces together to make these guys stars. So let's take the potential pedophilia. None, the NSYNC and Backstreet Boys did not say he was a pedophile. Other people did. So And he might have been. But let's take that out of the way and just talk about the music part. I believe he's a medium guy because without him, none of these guys get launched. Yeah. It's not like they put each other together and got the music and the they got Richard Marks to write a hit song for them. Um, they did it, you know, he was the mastermind behind it. And then there were lawsuits and stuff and then they went their separate ways. But with like looking back, if I had that opportunity to get screwed, if I was a singer and got the opportunity to be screwed over with the first album, knowing that I'd have huge success because this guy was a mastermind at that and then get to go off and have a giant, successful, rich music career, I would take that. I would do that. And You know what? I think you just reactivated my, my, my capitalist core. I think you're right. I think I agree with you. I think, <laughs> I think you're right. It's Because, it's, yeah, these guys, I'm sorry, Joey Fatone would have been mm-hmm. working at, like, a gas station off the Jersey Turnpike. Um you know, it's he wouldn't have yeah. been anything. No. Okay. Okay. All right. So like, he was so essentially he was like Professor X, Lou Pearlman. Yes. Like when okay. Nick Carter, 
Nick Carter would have been in a trailer park. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Just a guess. So, all right. You know what then? I'm going to update my, my, my take to that Lou Perlman is a great guy. Um, because <laughs> he's a kingmaker. Who doesn't want to be a king? And he's dead, so he was. Okay. R.I.P. King. king. Long, long, you know, the kingmaker is dead. Long live the kingmaker. All right, cool. Well, you wow. win that debate. That um, was cool. That was a good twist. Yeah, I like it. The second debate is uh, in keeping with the theme of perseverance. This is really about perseverance. There's a big article and a lot of articles have come up about people who have uh, lost friends, stopped being friends with different people during the pandemic because of politics, but also because of how different people have treated the pandemic. A lot of it comes down to politics and the some of what Trump and different leaders have said about masking and not masking and going out in public and all that stuff. But there's an article about how people are losing friends to this completely. Like friendships are over, gone. And my, I guess, question, I'll start with you, is what do you think about completely disowning people because of this crazy year and some and different views when you were friends with them. There's one article where they, these, these, uh, they were high school friends, friends for 20 years or 30 years, some big amount of years. And now they're not because of this brief amount of time. I think honestly, I think it's probably a good thing. This is like almost like the great filtration is if your friendship can't stand up to politics, if your friendship can't stand up to personal beliefs, then it's great. It's one less thing you have to worry about. You know, if someone dumps you to the, the to this curb after you've been friends for decades because they don't agree with your political beliefs because you like Joe Biden or you like Donald Trump or whatever it is, then that actually, if that friendship couldn't survive that, then its foundation wasn't strong enough. And that's just one less obligation that people have to worry about. And I think that's great. And I think that there's, you know, I think we are so over inundated with stimuli, whether that's text messages or Instagram or all what the hell we're going to watch on Netflix or Disney plus or Hulu or HBO max, or just like what's happening on Twitter. It just, it's, it's just so much happening that it, and then you have work and then you have all the stuff happening in the world of the pandemic. It's like, and, and in, in politics and all that. And it's just like sometimes friends that either demand somebody to change or that demand more than of what they feel they should be asked or what they're ready to give. And if the friendship dissolves at that point, um, I think that's actually a good thing because that lets both people then move on to more fulfilling friendships. And sure, not everything lasts forever. And I think the interesting part about this is like my best friends from home, the ones I went to college with, I like, you know, I, I would, you know, like take a bullet for and I sometimes I don't talk to them for six months. You know, and right. that's okay. You know, it's like sometimes a random bullshit text about, you know, the Knicks or the Giants or whatever. But oh, like, those are depressing texts. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, my, my life is pure sports depression. No, no joke about that. Um, But like, but it's those friendships I know are ones that survive anything. And uh, I, I think, I, I don't know. I think that this is actually, it's freeing. I think it's okay to say goodbye to things. You know, it's okay to Marie Kondo your personal life. Um, <laughs> and if you feel that someone's beliefs hurt you as a person so strongly and you can't, and that's completely okay. It's not a bad thing for you to let them go. And it's not a bad thing for you to be let go. 
because that just means that there's some things that are more important and it's okay to say goodbye. No problems. Okay. I'm going to again, go in the middle here. Okay. Uh, I think that I think yes and no. There's, I also, I also think this is almost a cultish time we lived in that I think mm-hmm. where I think people can come out of the cult. Um, one friend I have friend since college, he wouldn't stop, won't stop coming at me. The last text he did, which will lead into our next topic is, uh, and this is the type of stuff he'd write me. He just, it w- and I just kept saying, I don't want to talk about politics with you. Can we talk about anything else? He also wanted to be a, on our show, on the this show. He wanted to uh, do other stuff with me. He wants to be part of the Logic Party. But then his views are insane. Like, it's just, there's, we're not going to find common ground. So let, I, I just said, let's just put this aside and like, let's hang out next year. Is what I basically said. And then the last time he just texted me last week and said, um, you know who the biggest podcast in the country is? And I said, no, I don't. And he said, Dan Bongino. Now, who's Dan Bongino? If you're a big, big listener of the show, uh, he's the guy who he's a Fox News guy who went after me directly and uh, uh, called me names and then on Twitter and then. All of his millions of supporters uh, went after Dan, me. Dan Bongino is the Jeff Tiedrick of the right. Like those yeah. two insufferable twats. Sorry for that uses of that word. I'm sorry to insult twats everywhere by comparing them to Jeff Tiedrick and Dan Bongino. Um, <laughs> I'm so sorry that anybody even had to hear either of those people's names. But anyway, continue. Well, all, yeah, all I said in response to it, because I know he's trying to get under my skin and I also know it's not going to work. Is I wrote cool period. That was it. <laughs> and and this has also got the most awful podcast in the country. Is probably Dan, Dan Bongino. Dan Bongino. <laughs> and first of all, I don't. I'm sure it's not true. It's like maybe Dan Bongino says that, but like it's not true. And second of all, I just don't care. Like I truly don't care if someone's evil. Like they're evil. I don't care uh, if they're popular. If they're bad, they're bad. If I don't, if I think that they stand for terrible things, I don't care what their success is. And so back to the topic, being in the middle, I still have such good memories from with this friend that even after that, my hope is like, I didn't delete him or block him. My hope is that we can get past this cultish time. And like, if I see him at some point in the future, we can like grab a beer and hang out. And just not talk about this shit because uh, I think it will pass over. And I think that we are living in the weirdest time of that kind of stuff ever. Because it's not like he's not always been Republican. He has always been Republican. It just hasn't been like where he's been like this. So um, I think that there's a middle ground. I also think that there's extremes. If someone's being truly vile, maybe then you just stop. Or with masks, if they're like actually going around like killing people with their breath, that's probably bad. But I just think there's a middle. Yeah, you know, I think I think I think that I think you're right. Um, here's the thing: I, I think it, it's about boundaries. You know, the same way like every friendship has its boundaries. Certain friends you don't talk about certain things with. Like for example, like I love my work friends, but 
nobody at work really knows much about my personal life. I don't talk about my personal life, you know, with, with mm-hmm. my work friends. It's just like, I don't really talk about my personal life with most people, but you know, it's like, it's like, you know, you and I, and like a couple of friends, you know, we'll talk, but like, it's, it's some private. It's a certain, certain topics that I just, they don't know. They don't know that you do this show with a dildo in your ass. Um, it's two. Um, so <laughs> no, no, but yeah, it's like certain topics. I just, I, I'm, I'm private on and certain friends are, I'm okay with talking about those and other people I'm not. And so at the same time, um, like I think any friendship can have its boundaries. And if, if, if politics is like, Hey, listen, man, I want to set boundaries. I just, I'm not comfortable conversing about this with you. And like, no, Hey, like let's talk sports. Let's talk movies. Let's just go golfing, whatever it is. And if, if he respects the boundaries, you respect boundaries. Cool. That can exist. It's like every relationship has its boundaries. Um, so again, and if one party cannot respect that, it's completely okay to walk away permanently, temporarily, whatever it is. Um, I think that's fine. It's, it's, huh. I think if anything, with the amount of time people have been spending with themselves over the past year, mm-hmm. I think people are starting to discover, you know, they're, they're, they're thinking more inwardly, hopefully. And, um, you know, yes, everybody's also been in a bit of a sort of a circle jerk with whatever small groups of people they are just stuck talking to in terms of like their topics and how wide their thinking can get. So yeah, I, there's also some negatives to that. Your like, work friends don't know that you host circle jerks. Um, it, I don't host them. It's kind of more like a shared event. Um, <laughs> like, you know, like Airbnb experiences, you know, it just happens to be at my house. I'm not like the host host. I'm not emceeing. Um, <laughs> So it's just, you can just sign up and buy for $35 an Airbnb, just circle jerk at my house. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think, yeah, boundaries, 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 boundaries. If somebody is not respecting the boundaries, goodbye. And that's okay. I think that that's the topic. I'm so never get upset at a lost friendship because to me, honestly, I hate the, fr- I hate that fucking phrase. It all happens for a reason. But honestly, if it, there's a good reason if you're not still friends and it could be any number of things. So, so it's kind of, yeah, these, these debates have been good. And then it leads directly into the next topic. Yes. Uh, So this topic was really weird. Uh, Not really weird. It's like, uh, I guess I haven't learned my lesson, but there's a a guy. I really didn't know anything about him, but there's a guy I do know uh, because he's in the uh, promoting. He has learning disabilities and, and promotes change in learning disabilities. He was a basketball player. His name's Rex Chapman. And, uh, you know, kind of a mediocre basketball player, but he's he's become big in the s- spokesman world for disabilities and people with different learning dif- disabilities like himself, differences. And um, so that's how I got connected with him. And I saw on my Twitter when I went was going to, before I was going to bed, I saw that this guy, Ben Shapiro, yep. went at Rex Chapman. So that's why it popped up on my feed. And I'm like, who is this punk? And so can I read you what I wrote as a like yes. response to, I know you might've seen some of this pop up on your Twitter, but yep. I'll read it to you. For, for, the, for, the, for the listeners. For the listeners, exactly. Because it, it, got, it got ugly. <laughs> I'm, I'm uh, spoiler alert, it got ugly. Shocker. So I wrote to um, Ben Shapiro. So Ben Shapiro wrote a mean thing about Rex Chapman and I wrote really just from looking at him and like looking at his, oh no, then I looked briefly at his views 
who this guy is. He's basically a Jewish anti-Semite. He doesn't think I'm Jewish. He's anti-LGBTQ rights. He's like the most, he's like this probably 35 year old MAGA dipshit. And everything he believes is just evil, including that, like what really ticked me off the most. Well, the LGBTQ thing is just obvious coming from those guys, but that he thinks that if you're uh, not a conservative Jew and not like if you're anti, uh, if you're not pro-life, you're not Jewish and stuff like that. It was just like, you suck. So I wrote to Ben Shapiro in response the term, in quotes, sucks at life, was invented for you, Ben. Now go punch your face. And a few people, a number of people liked that tweet. A lot of people didn't. Yeah. Now, I did go at him on his Twitter feed with all his followers. I feel for them for following him. And But they went at me in such vile ways again, and it made me really hopeless as to what's to come because just because Trump is going away doesn't mean these people aren't going away like Ben Shapiro who just absolutely sucks at life. And I really mean that. Like, read about this guy. He's terrible. He's an evil guy. And so like, like here's an example. I'll tell you a few. Do you want to hear a few of what they said to me? Yeah, give one or two. Yeah. Telling Ben Shapiro he sucks at life and is insecure coming from you is one of the most ironic things of all time. <laughs> okay. Um, and then it's uh, somebody was triggered, little Ben, LOL. Uh, that's all you got. Um, there's really weird ones too, like, like ready, ready for one? This is, <laughs> this one is the weirdest, and then I'm curious your thoughts. Um, it is. Oh, people screen grab my face, mm-hmm. and then someone wrote that that face looks like someone who's watching his sister do bukkake. <laughs> Yo, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. Oh man, these people are funny. <laughs> yeah, they they do that. Well, then some don't make any sense. Like their their responses yeah. actually are like not English. So I'm reading you the more English ones. Um, oh, someone screen grabbed and this got lots of responses. A tweet I'd put: Happy Hanukkah. I wish for the miracle of peace and unity for all. And uh, they said, like, is this you? Seems like you're not for peace and unity. And I wrote. I am for peace and unity. I'm not for evil people. Okay. Well, uh, and if I may make you feel worse, you did kind of start yep. by saying you want to punch somebody in the face. So that's really kind of, they're giving. No, no, no. I didn't. I didn't want to punch him in the face. I wanted him to. And I'd watch that on pay-per-view if I could. Okay. I would pay well, them. And it, to watch someone just, some asshole punch themselves in the face repeatedly would be awesome. All right. Well, this is going to make you feel worse because as much as I disagree with pretty much all the social policies or all of what he talked about socially, Ben Shapiro is pretty fucking hilarious. And I think this all, this whole thing started off with him. Cause he does hot. He does a lot of hot takes and he loves debating people. Um, and by the way, he hates Trump. So he's not MAGA. He actually, the best interview I heard all of last year is when he had Andrew Yang on for an hour and a half. And it was literally the best podcast I've ever heard. Um, oh really? He was literally the dude hates Trump. He is a social conservative. He's a fiscal conservative and he gets a lot of hate because 
Um, why does he hate Jews? He doesn't. He's Jewish, he's, like, he hates, but he's he's doing the same thing that Joe. Know, he's he, doing the same thing. Joe Biden said, "You're not black if you don't vote for him." Ben Shapiro is doing also. You're not Jewish. If you're pro-choice, I disagree with both of those asinine statements, but it is no different than what Joe said. And so it's, I think that there is a lot of hate on Ben Shapiro because he's, he says he has really hot takes and he finds ways to debate them and kind of win those debates. People that kind of say he's just being disingenuous and stuff like that. Again, I don't agree with him on so many things, um, but some funny shit. And I think what this all started with what's with, with which is what made Rex Chapman and the internet very mad that Shapiro's kind of making a point. He's like, everybody's like, Oh, you know, Joe and Dr. Jill Biden, Dr. Jill and Dr. Jill Biden. And he's like, Oh wow. She's a doctor. And he's like, but he's like, oh, but not that kind of doctor. She's just like a doctor of like whatever psychology or, or not psychology, or like business or whatever, or English or whatever. It wasn't like he was, no, she's psycho- she, it's like he was yeah, making psychology. the, I think he was making the stupid take. And it was a dumb take, but he was really sticky. It was like, and I, he's like, yeah, that's not really a doctor because he's like he's he's got a JD, so he's like technically a lawyer doctor, and he makes fun of himself for that. He's like, we're not real doctors, and so she is a real doctor. She earned her fucking doctorate, and she deserves to be called Doctor Jill Biden. He was just making the point that everybody's like really playing up the doctorness of it, and most people don't realize it's not a medical doctor. It's like a it's like a different fake doctor, you know, or he's calling a fake doctor, which is not the right take, but it's a hot take. And I appreciate, even when they're wrong, I appreciate the audacity of hot takes. And so the dude actually is, is if you listen, I've listened to probably four or five of his various podcasts through the past, you know, four or five years, like total episodes. And the guest, when he brings on like really good guests, again, if you listen to the Andrew Yang one, there's parts where he disagrees, but mm-hmm. it's the most respectful disagreement. He even like, and even there's a few moments he's like, wow, you make a really good point. I need to reconsider what I'm thinking about that. And like, so the dude gets so much hate because he doesn't because he, he really triggers a lot of uh, liberal people. Um, especially like he knew like he never like there's been there's been doctor Republicans that have high offices that have been also fake doctors but he specifically knew this would piss off a lot of people and I respect him for pissing people off and and not for what he's saying but for the fact that he is a troll um, and I really really appreciate trolls um, so I the movie I haven't seen the movie yet but maybe the movie's inspired by the various trolls on the left and right because they're the only one. I appreciate trolls more than I appreciate the politicians themselves. Um, and so, yeah, that's where I stand on this. Um, and so yeah, I'm not going to make you feel better, but the dude is, he's not a Nazi. He's not like literally it's, it's if you actually listen to some of his shows, just listen to the Andrew Yang podcast. We were both Yang fans. We're both Yang gang. It is yep. a really great. You mean interview. future mayor of New York, Andrew? Fingers Yang. crossed. So I would say he's not this horrible, evil person at all. It's just that you know, even like with the with the, when he when everybody was saying that he has trouble performing for his wife, he was just making a joke when uh, when WAP came out, the Cardi B song, you know, wet ass pussy, and he was like, and I think there's some sort of lyric about it, just like dripping to the floor, and he was just saying on his podcast, he's like, well, if your vagina is leaking to the floor you should really see a doctor because he's like that's that doesn't seem healthy um and he was just <laughs> like funny. he was just like going on about that and people were like oh he's unable to please his wife that's what it turned into and he doesn't think that women should be like lubricating it's just, that's just what gets turned into in twitter and like i said 
this guy, I disagree with so with a great majority of what he says in terms of social stuff, but the dude is fucking based because he fucking pisses people off and he's, he backs it up. And one last thing I'll say about him and I'm sounding like a fanboy, but I'm not is that everybody makes fun of him because says, Oh, he's, he's like to destroy the libs with facts and logic and they keep finding parts where he's not doing it. But so what he did on Thanksgiving is he put out a video carving a Turkey and his video is as Ben Shapiro destroys his Turkey with facts and logic. So he's taking the own meme that people make fun of him for all over Reddit, all over Twitter. And he's kind of turning on himself. So the dude's got a sense of humor. He's a troll. He's funny. He's not right. A great amount of the time, but I know. Yeah. So yeah. Like even, okay. I mean, you've definitely made me feel more hopeless, but I like the doctor for Dr. Joe Biden. So I actually did. She's a doctor of education, which I think right now in our country is a medical condition. And we need people who are high up in the medical, in the education field to change stuff because it does lead to mental illness and stuff like that when people are not getting correctly educated. So I do believe she's a real doctor. Sure. sure. And I think just Um, if I may say though, because I agree with you, I could not agree more, but the lizard brain part of anytime you meet somebody, right? And you hear they're a doctor, you're like, cool. And then you find out they're not a medical doctor. Just you have to admit, there is a tiny innate sense of you like, oh, never mind. They're not a real doctor. Like, it, that's for me. But I'm still like, that's a wrong way to think. And I disagree with my own feelings of that. But it's just a, my lizard brain reflect. And I think that's what he was just making a really douchey statement about. And it's funny. <laughs> so, Maybe that's it. He goes to the, he goes to the, like, whatever, to the nth douche power. Yeah. He does. Instead of being like the minor douche. He does the, but well, the, the, you know, I, I'm getting zero hope from you, but the, uh, but this is about perseverance, this episode. So I'm persevering, persevering through you, making me feel more hopeless. Just listen um, to the Yang interview. It's really excellent. I will. Excellent. All right. Like work. I'll give him a chance and I want to read one more piece of hate. I got. Sure. Because it's always I do think with this stuff, just make fun of it and make fun of yourself and whatever. These are just, if you click on every single profile, it's the same person. They all have the same things. They're all from the South. They all like football and baseball, the Braves. They all are Braves fans. And they all, uh, you know, think that the election was a fraud. They think that it's the same person. Every follower that, that I would click on would be like, oh. Like they could just copy the profile. But this one was kind of funny. Uh, Aaron looks like he's not sure if he just shit himself in this picture. And so I was like, okay. So I wrote back, which picture? I shit myself in lots of pictures. It's my thing. <laughs> well played. Well played. I love it. Thank you. I love it. And honestly, so, the, the Bukaki one, that was just a re- that was pretty fire. That was really good. Um, so It was good. Yeah. Um, well, Look, look, it's about persevering no matter what. And I will I'll, at some point in the next like 30 to 40 years, I'll listen to one of his podcasts. I'm telling How's you, that? just like seriously, like the you can hate him for the rest of life. Just listen to the Yang one because he probably gave Andrew Yang the most fair interview, more fair than any of the garbage on MSNBC or Fox or anybody would give him in terms of the prime time. Like he actually sat and it was so thoughtful and he gave him literally time, time to discuss his entire platform. And that is no joke is what turned so many conservative people onto Andrew Yang. That 
Oh, really? He's single-handedly responsible for a huge amount of Yang's fan, fan base coming from that conservative side. So, and the libertarians. Okay. So, and that gives me a little hope. There you go. That there, I, that's where I feel the hope. Um, which and he does, I and he has no love for us, Trump, no love at all. Um, well, that's good too, because yeah. we're gonna lead right into Trump. Great. Ready for it? Let's do it. So we wanted to stop the mailer game. We tried to end it because this election's over, but so, which is I get both mailers from uh, from Biden and Trump. There's no more Biden mailers, but there's Trump mailers. So, but I told you my goal, I'm not going to, uh, un, what is it called? When you get unsubscribe, getting, I'm not going to unsubscribe to his mailer. What I want to get wrong kicked with off you? of his mail. I want to, I want to get kicked off. I want them to kick me off of his mailer list. I would like to formally not get him anymore because I write mean things to him, to the campaign. And I did it. It worked on text. I wrote something back that was not, uh, did not go over well. And they stopped. They stopped sending me them. So, but I keep getting the mailers on, uh, on my email. So can I read you a few of my responses? Sure. Because it won't work. I can't get, uh, I can't get banned from Trump's mailer list, which is just so annoying because I'm really trying, like really Really, really trying hard. So, let's see. Here's uh, here's one. So here's one. They had a. They asked a question: How can a country be run by Joe Biden when Americans believe him to be an, an illegitimate president? So I responded. Answer. He won the election without Russian interference, like someone else we know. And now Joe Biden has won and will actually run the country to help all people, unlike your sorry, crime-ridden fat ass who has only tried to destroy the country to protect your fragile seven-year ego, seven-year-old ego. Now go shit in a trash can and smell the waste of space that you are. I think that didn't get me picked. No. Kicked off. One more? Yes. You can win a signed MAGA hat. Last chance. So I wrote, last chance for you to sign my balls while I piss all over you. <laughs> you'll be you'll be getting a lot more than piss when you end up in jail. Okay, so I think your first problem is that I don't think anybody's actually reading these emails. I think they're just going back to just some like... Some, but in my mind, they are. In my so mind, think, they're reading them. I think if we're going to do this, I think you need to actually... Um, I think what, here's what I would do. I would actually, it's about who is subscribing, who they're subscribing to. You want to like mess with their larger database. Um, I think what you want to do is like start a sign up, like sign them up to, or, or, you know, have some, their subscribers be like ISIS fan clubs. Um, and then like, <laughs> just like have, you know, just make really lower the quality of their recipient list. So then they then do have to start manually filtering so they don't get claims of, oh my God, you know, the Trump campaign sending email to ISIS uh, recruits. Um, <laughs> and then once you do that, then they start manually filtering and that's when you strike with your manually written emails. You have to build up their need for them to go and look at stuff manually, which is going to be really, really tough because they have millions, you know, millions and millions and tens of millions of subscribers. So, um, yeah. Um, okay. So I got to step up my game. Yeah, yeah. And you got to, I think, be a little more strategic. Um, so, um, 
Okay. All right. I will do that. Yes. That gives me hope. And uh, now, and now let's transition to Hopeless TV, where we bring up the hopelessness that we're seeing on those rectangular screens um, each week. And Aaron, you've got a topic. I do. So it's a quick one. I watched a new movie on Netflix or HBO, one of them. I can't even keep track anymore called The Prom. And it's a movie with Meryl Streep and James Corden and other people. And I loved it. It's directed by Ryan Murphy. Yeah. And I felt almost like it's directed by Ryan Murphy who did Glee. Uh, I loved it. And I realized, I think why is because one, it makes fun of, I mean, there's a song called in it called don't be a lesbian in Indiana. So like, which was funny. It was just, you'll see, and if you see the movie, you'd understand why it's, uh, so it really goes in and it actually really, 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 really trashes people who interpret the Bible directly word for word, um, like the evangelical kind of community. There's a whole song about it. Uh, So there was just stuff I thought was very, very interesting uh, and fun. And it was just fun. Like at the end, I felt happy. What my, my hopelessness was one, I then looked up and it's, you know, it hasn't been, it's been loved by some people and then hated by some people. Uh, And two, I just, I think I miss happy movies where like, and it's about the LGBTQ community being accepted, which I'm all for. And uh, yeah, it, it. but then I was sad because it just also has been, you know, shit on by a lot of people. And I think it's very topical, very now, and it's happy. And I want more happy things on TV. I want to watch okay. more happy things. Okay, well, here's what my, I saw the, 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 the little preview on Netflix. I think it was Netflix, right? And it, to me, what it, I, I, I was so. like, oh, God, it's a musical where there's a bunch of old people that are pretending to be high schoolers that are singing and dancing, and it stars James Corden, whose humor I don't like because he's not funny. Um, and that was all I could take away from it. I was like, God, no, I it's will not, never watch that. Um, that's why I didn't want to watch it, because that's what I thought it was also about. But my folks, I watched it with my folks, and they were like, no, we've really heard it's good. We uh, Apparently, you'll probably like it. And so I watched it with them. And within 10 minutes, I looked to my folks and said, I like this. <laughs> oh my You're right. God. It's okay. not at well, all what I thought it was about. Okay. Well, La La Land is the only musical I've ever liked. So, um, and I was ready to hate, rage hate that. So maybe <laughs> yeah. I've been, I've been like remotely rage hating this, you know, without even talking about it. So maybe I'll give it a shot and um, maybe, maybe I can expand my horizons. Okay. Well, I'm glad. Thank you for, for. I just wish more people would like happy stuff because how many like serial murder shows are we going to watch? And like, or that it just, it becomes like, I need want a happy thing at night. Okay. Okay. So that, that's not really, okay. So I think maybe you're feeling hopeless that like enough people aren't giving it a chance because it looks too poppy, happy. And, um, but you know, I think right now everybody like has been like, is, is hopefully emerging from this dark winter that has been going on since the spring. Um, you know, in a sense. So, Maybe this this will be something that can then uh, sort of get people to sort of 
brighten up their outlook for a little bit. So I'll, I'll give it a shot. I'll give it a shot. Even okay. I myself was like, it looked too poppy garbage for me. Um, but I will try it. Um, speaking of things that are not poppy garbage, um, but might be considered by some as, I guess, um, uh, other types of futuristic garbage, um, is the game Cyberpunk. And we talked about this last week where I said I wasn't really getting into it. I'm into it now. I'm really enjoying <laughs> the game. Um, and... Uh, you know, despite me wishing that I did a female character instead of a male character, because the he's just very hokey, the voice acting. I like the fact that Keanu Reeves, you know, his character is starting to play a major role in my game now, as as you know, and I don't want to spoil anything. Um, but uh, what happened this week was um, PlayStation pulled Cyberpunk off of the their store. You can't even buy Cyberpunk on the PlayStation's digital store. You can still buy it on Xbox. You can still buy it for for PC um, because lots of really annoying people were complaining, wanting refunds because the game does not perform really well on like the older gen systems, like a PS4 and Xbox one. It's made for, it's really truly made for PC and like PS5 and an Xbox one series X um, or series S, you know, that the new, new systems and the, and the PCs, so, but most people have the older platforms. Um, so those that bought it are having a suboptimal experience. So instead of simply being offering returns, they took it off the store and people are very happy about it. So I'm kind of, and this is never, happened to a game before that i know of so um so it's and right now that it's i think what i'm generally feeling hopeless about is with this is that it seems like the gamer crowds are truly they're almost as vicious as the political crowds um and gaming used to be something that is just it's a place to 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 escape and now it's just turning to another hellhole so how do we feel hope about that well uh i got hope from this game just by seeing the Keanu Reeves ads because I didn't know that he was a part of the game at all I still didn't know he was until you just said it a part of the game I just knew he was on the commercials and since you mentioned the game and I was like that's cool like Keanu Reeves is a part of the commercials and now that you said he's in the game that's even cooler like John Wick's in the game or maybe a different character he plays whatever he's in the game so I just thought that was really cool. The fact that gamers are hating, that's sort of like you saying embrace uh, Ben Shapiro. Like, think in general. I say embrace trolls such as Ben Shapiro. As Ben Shapiro. And yeah. I say, if you're in the gaming world, it's a lot of people in their basements, a lot of people alone a lot of the time, really embracing this stuff, looking on the computer all the time. It's a personality. It's generalizing. It's a personality type that and some of the players might even be younger than you. I know that's probably shocking. So uh, in order to. I think this is just par for the course. This is what was what is the gamer world? I guess so. I mean, but here's the thing. I, there's a difference between trolls that use like funny things and wit and discussion to make points versus people like are you fucking bitch i hope all the developers die i'm glad this game like that's like whoa that's like it just feels like there's a lot of aggression that is just really weird um i think I it goes you know, right back it goes right back to what we were talking about before we need happy games okay right. you know this is not a happy game at all but that's right, right. i had over five yeah, I, I I looked at my at my Nintendo Switch. I had over five hundred hours clocked of Animal Crossing. I haven't played in months, but um, that's so many hours. That's so many hours, and that's a happy game. So yeah, this is like literally the most anti Animal Crossing ever. 
Um, this is essentially Grand Theft Auto in the year 2077. Um, so, um, that is not Animal Crossing. Maybe maybe I should just pick up Animal Crossing just to escape for a little bit. Um, I think but so. Even that even that community, the Animal Crossing community, is even more toxic than the cyberpunk community. It's insane. Um, so maybe you know what? Maybe this is. I just stick to the games and stay away from the communities because I'm too yes. old for this shit. <laughs> well, yeah. speaking of all of that, we need to bring some hope in sixty seconds, don't we? To finish yes, up the we show. Do. And we'll, yep, and we'll wrap up with Hope in 60 Seconds and then uh, some fan mail. Hope in 60 Seconds. All right. So the, the clock is started. Um, and this is our this is about our fantasy basketball draft. So Aaron, you, myself, Mike, Brad, um, you know, a few other friends, um, we are doing a fantasy basketball draft on Sunday. I am a Knicks fan which has led me to sort of tune out of basketball to a significant degree, especially since my guys weren't even allowed to play in the bubble last year. I don't know half these players. I take a lot of pride in fantasy and I'm going to be really, really bad. How do we find hope in this? Uh, so will I, my team's been good. I'm a Clipper fan. So my team's been good ish for the last number of years. I still don't know much. The NBA doesn't grab me like uh, football and baseball. But I, I know my team. That's really what I know. So uh, I think we're all going to suck. And there might be one person that emerges that's like the the uh, the shark. And then they'll win. But at least we'll then learn more for next year. Exactly. This Yeah, this might be – It's in this 10-team league, there might be nine tacos. And that's okay. Um, so at least, at least you're right. Everybody else is going to be terrible. Um, yeah, so yeah. No one knows, no one knows is, as yeah. much about – the NBA is uh, football and baseball in this league. No. Okay. Or in general, yeah. I think. I think in general, like NFL and baseball, the stats are a little more, there's a little more, inter- stats are more interesting in them. Yeah. Uh, it's And it's also, there's just much more strategy in both of those games in the NBA. I'm, I'm, I'm a mid-90s Knicks basketball fan, you know, where it, it, was, it was a violent game. It was a passing game. It was just like a really aggressive, strong game. And now it's just flip. It's just like NBA 2K. There's chucking threes. You got power forwards and centers that spend half their time just chucking threes. It's like, what the fuck is happening? So I, I hate basketball as a product in many ways. It's still exciting, yep. but it's too high scoring. And I'm just going to be another grumpy old man. I'm getting old. But anyway, on to the next topic. And this is yours. Yeah. Um, Pornhub had to remove millions of videos. And for those who don't know what Pornhub is, I understand. I didn't either until I saw this story. <laughs> uh, it's, uh, it's a porn website. They had to remove millions and millions of videos because they were unauthorized. And some had underage performers, even though Pornhub has said they don't uh, approve of any of that. So because it's some of it's illegal and awful. So bring hope to the porn community, Rohit. Well, I think this is actually a good this is a good thing, because what this does, I think this stimulates the OnlyFans market. And I think, you know, I think a lot of those videos that were pulled from what I, what I read were videos that were like leaks of people's webcams and like stuff like that. Like, you know, like performers that were like generally charging for these videos, but they didn't have the rights to do it. That was like significant um, portion of that. So they got rid of videos that people wanted to charge for. And that if, if you're the owner of a piece of content, um, you have the right to charge for it. So now I think this is putting money back in the hands of the people that are producing the content. 
Um, and I'm always about empowering the, the economy and um, stimulating the economy very centrally. Um, so I think this is a good thing because now you are going to have people that are making this content that people, you know, use, but they're going to get compensated for it. And uh, because you're promoting only only fans, right? Uh, fans only people. Just so people know, Rohit's name is Hohit for Rohit. Oh, uh, yeah. So if you want to go to his fans only page, just go to Hohit. For Rohit. Yeah, it's I only charge a dollar and I spread my butt cheeks all the time. It's great. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, cool. All right. There's hope. All right. And now for the last and one. one. Um, yeah. yeah, I'm just going to read you. I'm going to start the timer. And I'm going to read you this influencer post that I just got. Um, it's a Reddit post um, and it says uh, over to Moldova. Instagram wannabe Anna Lekovich, a medical student, stabbed her mother and gouged out her heart, lungs and intestines while her mother was still alive. Um, so what? So. <laughs> my hope in 60 is like why are these influencers continuing to kill their family members and their loved ones um help find hope i know this is a lot to ask (laughs) you're 30 seconds to answer this open 60 uh my hope is there's a reason that these are getting attention because there's not many of them there's two so far that we've heard of so i hope there stays two and i hope people don't give it more attention than a fleeting amount so that people don't think this is a good thing to do because luckily they're fleeting and they're rare. But for and the people that say this is the start of copycats, what do you say to that? We're fucked. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. I, I, and I don't mean to laugh, but I guess it was kind of a rough transition going from fantasy basketball Pornhub to this topic. But as I said, it was, this is, this is, it was coming in hot. So I figured I tried to find a way. Um, wow. Yeah. I mean, it was the, the depth of the description too. It's like, like, she Bravehearted her mom Yeah Gross um, Well let's yeah. go to something Let's go to something positive Because yes. And look It's all about progress And yeah. perseverance And we are persevering through Even disgusting things Yeah that was I feel like that was definitely A pace killer For our show um, yeah. But yeah let, let, Let's wrap up with some fan mail And hope fulfilled <laughs> Alright <laughs> Yeah that was hard uh, So Submissions. We got a submission from Zoe in Michigan who said, can you help verify me with a blue tick? Uh, which is like, I think it means a blue check mark on uh, Twitter or Instagram. I can't. I don't know how that all works. Uh, so I feel, can you help? Because I actually don't know how that all, you know, how... So that works. I can I can help you. Um, and Zoe, here's the answer: is you have to be someone of a public persona. You have to have a specific, you know, a certain amount of um, sort of social. Yeah, uh, you, know, you have to have a certain amount of social clout. Not necessarily a clout score, but the idea is that what you do gets put out into the world. It gets talked about, and the reason that they verify is to prevent impersonators. So if you are likely to be a public figure, that. One is number one, be a public figure. Number two, be someone that can be, you know, uh, that there's danger if you are impersonated. For example, this is why journalists get it. Um, even though the definition of journalist is really expanded, uh, it's really loosened yeah. up over the past few years. Um, if trusted journalists are given a blue check, so people know that this is an actual piece of content from them. So people 
like you know like i said i've written i've written posts that have gotten published in major newspapers and you know fucking things like that but i'm not even i'm not getting verified anytime in my lifetime um so you can be a filmmaker or you can be a real journalist or be a public figure first and other than that zoe you and i are shit out of luck apologies um and i'm sorry i have one i do have those blue checks and uh like, I don't actually really think that anyone should be singled out versus other people. But I do know, like, I've gotten, as we've read, and and it's happened way before this show, I've gotten lots of hate and different things for work I've done. So I guess that's the, you gave the reason, is yeah. uh, to protect the identity. And there and are I, rumors I get a, that... I get nothing compared to a lot of people, but like... Yeah, and there are rumors that Facebook, I'm sorry, that Twitter might verify everyone with a legal identification. Um, and that I actually think is a good oh. idea. It'll, it might, it might actually bring down some of the hate and trolling cause you have a name attached to it now. Um, so I think that could be a good move, but they've been talking about that for years. So we'll see what happens. Um, but then the thing is yeah, blue checks will mean nothing anymore if everybody gets a blue check. So, um, sucks for Aaron if, and when that does happen. Um, <laughs> so let's talk about hope fulfilled as we yes. close out our show. Yes. Hope fulfilled. Cause we hope everyone has a wonderful continued holiday. And I think a big thing that is hopeful filled, everyone always talks as we've talked about here. And I've kind of said, I think is silly that you can't wait for 2020 to be over. Well, we just have a little bit of time left in 2020 and it's Christmas and new year's a very different Christmas and new year's than everyone's used to. But for everyone who believes this is the toughest year of their life, which I'm with you, it's been really insane. We have a, a few moments left where we can embrace loved ones, embrace family, embrace each other in the, these holiday times and enjoy the simple things. And I think uh, right now is about, and I'm, I'm trying to do it because it's hard for me, actually. It's a little personal revelation. It's hard for me to to go down to the simple things and just enjoy the now. Um and the holidays I was kind of dreading. So I'm like, wow, this is going to be weird. This is no New Year's really, no Christmas. But embrace the little things in our lives that mean more to us than we probably realize. And then we're on to 2021. So we only will have these next couple weeks. The life is what happens to you while you're busy making other plans. We'll only have them for these two weeks. So embrace the calm of of what they represent and that the year is coming to an end and we're on to a new year that's going to present all sorts of new obstacles and new uh, revelations. Yeah. It's a new decade. Um, and you know, when the clock strikes midnight, that doesn't mean everything goes away, but at least we spent a year learning how to deal with it um, and learning to be appreciative. It's not about gifts. It's not about presents. It's not about what we have. It's not about, you know, any of that. It's about our health. It's about our friends. It's about, you know, the things that, you know, whether it's a friendship that, you know, sticks around through something like this, or if it's just, you know, you finding hope in the world and these little things, it's that's what we have to hold on to. So I think that it's, this has been a year where I think everybody's had to reevaluate their priorities. And I think that is an amazing thing to go into a new year with, you know, where very little, you know, and sometimes it takes a horrible thing like a pandemic to really bring out that awareness. So, um, you know, Aaron, thank you for some for a year of discussion, nearly a year of discussion that 
you know, has, uh, you know, it's given me a lot of perspective and, and, you know, I think that everybody that's listened to this show, I'm really grateful for you guys for listening and all the texts and all the tweets and all the kind of stuff. You say, you say nice things about the show or even horrible reviews of the show. It's good for us to hear these things, but thank you guys for being on this journey with us where we all are discovering things, things to be hopeful and grateful. For. When the world seems cold and bleak and you just can't take it anymore, here it comes, that glimmer of hope, a light shines through the dark. Oh, good show. With Aaron and Rogue, it won't.